Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right. It's the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Final show of the week. And the first show, really, of post-weekday Sabre games. The season finale is tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock, meaning you got me back five days a week, 7 o'clock. Bill's offseason, Sabres coach search, Jack Eichel watch, Sam Reinhart watch, Linus Allmark watch, Everything that's going on with the Bills, everything that's going on with the Chiefs, who I think are who I want to focus the beginning of tonight's show on, and uh, the look around the rest of the division as well. But a lot to get to on tonight's show. 8030550 is the phone number if you're looking to get involved. Um, Zach Ertz will be another player that I want to get into a little bit over the course of today's show. Might even do that here real quick. Maybe we'll expand on it a little bit. I'm going to see if my brother wants to come on, Lou DiBiase from Lockdown Eagles, to talk a little bit more about Ertz. I'd like to know more. I'd like to watch more about what he was last season because as a avid fantasy football player, Zach Ertz stunk last season. Now, that's just numbers. That's just production. The Eagles stunk themselves last year. But... It was weird how he wasn't producing. The Eagles had a bad team that was behind all the time, that needed to be throwing the football all the time, and they had no wide receivers. But they had this Pro Bowl tight end in Zach Ertz. Why wasn't he catching the football? Maybe he shot. I think he's usable to some extent, again, without watching play after play of his 2020 season. But... It's still an idea that I like. I would not trade for this guy. The reported Eagles asking price is a third-round pick. I would not go near that price for Zach Ertz. If they were to cut him, that's when my interest would begin for the Buffalo Bills. Get him on a cheaper contract that can fit into your current salary cap structure. Have him come in above Dawson Knox 
on the depth chart, running routes over the middle of the field. By the way, tight end, an upgraded tight end, I would consider a need for the Bills. I don't consider the middle of the field, routes over the short to intermediate, a need for the Bills. They've got guys that live in those areas. They might not play the same position, but Zach Ertz is going to be going to the same space that Cole Beasley occupies and that Stephon Diggs many times occupies. And that Emmanuel Sanders also has a great ability to run routes through. So it would be a nice addition just to have another guy on the field. Like when you go 11 personnel or when you go 12 personnel to have another guy out there that can catch the football because past Dawson Knox, they don't have another tight end that when he's out there on the field, you think, "Uh uh-oh, better make sure I cover this guy. Better make sure I don't just have any old linebacker covering him. They don't have that guy. Ertz would become that. He would add another weapon to an offense that, you know, doesn't need weapons, but take as many as you can get. Throw as many of those guys out there as you can get. And Zach Ertz would provide that for sure. So it's an idea I like. Don't love it. Hate it if you're trading for him, especially if it's a third-round pick. I guess if it's a fifth, sixth, seventh, and it comes with a restructure, then you could get me on board with a trade. But... I wonder if we are headed for his being released. The Eagles clearly are not going to get what they want. I mean, this guy has been on the market for months, and now you're at a point where there are how many teams that can even fit his contract on their books if they wanted to do it. The Eagles have played this horribly. They should have traded him at the last trade deadline because now who's taking that contract? $12 million. I think it's $8 million for the team acquiring him. Nobody's taking that. And they have lost all of their leverage. And I think what ends up happening is he'll be released before the start of the season. And the Bills might even be the favorite to sign Zacherts. Seattle's always in play for that. They did sign Gerald Everett in the offseason, but I could see them going back in on a tight end. There would be other teams that might be in the market, but I feel like the Bills would be number one. The Cardinals would be another team um, that I think could be involved. They don't really use tight end that much. I guess the Bills don't either, but a couple of teams there, a little bit on the, the Zach Ertz situation. Again, I do want to talk about the Chiefs, though, tonight because we're wrapping up post-draft week. A lot of the talk in the last seven days has obviously been geared towards what the Bills did with Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, Spencer Brown. A lot has been made of, of course, what happened in the AFC East. You've got two new rookie quarterbacks that are going to be challenging the Bills for years to come, at least next year, and then we'll see after that. You never know. Josh Rosen was one and done. But Zach Wilson is now in the division from BYU on the Jets. Mac Jones from Alabama is now in the division on the New England Patriots. Those are more immediate threats, immediate effects to the Bills. Because it's in the division. But, everyone's mindset, everybody's aspirations, everybody's team that you should be thinking about on a daily basis when you think about the Buffalo Bills is still the Kansas City Chiefs. They are still on that pedestal. They lost the Super Bowl. And they lost it comfortably. But the Bills had their shot at Kansas City. They had their chance in the AFC Championship game to prove to the world that we're on the same level 
as this Chiefs team. And they didn't really put up much of a fight. It was Kansas City's game. They went up and down the field. They marched up and down the field in that game. And they were the better football team. They showed that they are the better football team in that game. There is a gap. They proved it. In the AFC title game, Kansas City proved there is a gap between the Bills and the Chiefs. And what has happened this offseason to me is that the Bills have not done anything to close that gap. I don't think there's anything they've done this offseason that for 2021 closes the gap between the Bills and the Chiefs. But what the Bills have done is put all the pressure on Kansas City not to take a step back in any way. And the way they have done that is they have returned the same team. The same offense, more importantly. Brian Dable returning for another year as the Bills' offensive coordinator, not going away to be someone's head coach. The Chargers seem to be always the team that fit for that. The Jets, you know, like he didn't leave. He didn't go to Jacksonville. He's still here running this offense, calling the plays. Still got the the mastermind behind the offense that propelled you to the AFC title game. You kept your offensive line intact. Mitch Morse restructured. Didn't have to release him. John Feliciano re-signed. Darrell Williams re-signed. You're going to get Cody Ford back. You get the same O-line coming back again. You didn't change out running back. That could have been a threat. You know, I would have trusted the Bills to not use Travis Etienne in this ground-and-pound type of role, but that would have been a thought in the back of my mind as a threat to the Bills is, up. Oh, are they going to fall in love with running the football 20 times a game? Are they going to think we can, you know, we can, we can be the Giants to the Chiefs' Bills from the 90 Super Bowl? We can, we can play that game. Didn't want any part of that. They kept the running backs intact. Wide receiver. All they did was sub out John Brown for Emmanuel Sanders. I might think that's an upgrade. At the worst, I think it's it's pretty close between the two. A little bit different of roles. I think Sanders gives you a little bit more ability over the middle of the field. Brown might be a little bit better of a vertical threat. But both are just well-rounded, good veteran wide receivers. So you don't have much of a change there. And the defense, again, you're coming back with kind of the same guys. The secondary is the same. The linebackers are the same because you were able to hang on to Matt Milano. And the defensive line, you added the rookies. I don't know how much I'd want to expect from them year one. So I'll leave some room, some wiggle room, for, well, the Bills' pass rush is going to be better this season. I mean, I guess you would hope it is, at least to some degree. But are they going to be Tampa? Because that I don't think is happening. Even if they're an improvement. I wouldn't just guess that with Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham, suddenly the Bills' pass rush is getting after Patrick Mahomes like Tampa was in that Super Bowl. I like that they took a step towards doing that, but I wouldn't anticipate that right away. So you've got the same cast and crew coming back against the Chiefs. So no, I don't think they've closed the gap. But again, the pressure is now on Kansas City. If their offensive line struggles, the Bills are right there waiting on the same level as a team that can put them down. If Kansas City's defense struggles, the Bills will be right there waiting. If the Chiefs have injuries, the Bills will be right there waiting. 
This offseason was not about closing the gap with Kansas City. It was about sustaining pressure on the Chiefs to be perfect. And if the Bills are able to do that for the course of Patrick Mahomes' career, you'll get your Super Bowl. Because there will be years where the Chiefs are just unbeatable. They have a quarterback that when everything around him is working like clockwork, they can't be stopped. They're just too good. But New England had down years. You know, by their measure, by their standard, New England had those years where they didn't have weapons for Tom Brady and they went out in the second round against Baltimore. They had years where the defense wasn't as good as it's always been. They had years where they didn't have a ground game. And in those years, they were still Super Bowl contenders. They were still an elite team. But they weren't what they can be at their peak. 16-0. Six Super Bowl teams. They, they, didn't, they weren't that every single year. There will be down years for Kansas City. A down year for Kansas City is probably going to be an 11-12 win team, especially now with 17 games. But that leaves room for the Bills to not have to not have to get better than even what they were last season and still be capable of winning a Super Bowl. Because I believe that can happen this year. I think the Bills could conceivably show up to 2021, play out the season. They are the exact same team as they were in 2020. And they could win the Super Bowl. Because of those things I just mentioned with Kansas City. The offensive line... Big changeover on the offensive line. They have a bunch of new starters. Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Almost escaped me who the left tackle is that they lost. Eric Fisher, former first overall pick. They're both gone. Orlando Brown's really good. He should be great. Joe Thune, really good. He should be great. They drafted Creed Humphrey in the second round. He could be good too. Mike Remmers on the right side. They're bringing back almost an entirely different offensive line and a lot of those guys are really talented so it could work for them but man if they have struggles communicating because they don't have chemistry as a unit that could be part of why Kansas City could have a down year for them the defense same thing defense is very tough to sustain year to year and Kansas City's never been this elite group so Maybe the defense takes a step back. If they can't stop the Bills in any way. But the Bills, on the other hand, have a good enough defense to be able to limit Patrick Mahomes. That's how the Bills can get ahead. Without having to be different from what they were last season. And then there's, of course, injuries. That could go either way. That could happen on the Bills' side. You know, knock on wood that it doesn't happen. But the Bills just had two wide receivers that we've learned, especially in the last couple days with Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley was playing on a broken leg. Stephon Diggs was playing with a torn oblique. You know, if they had sustained injuries or if they were to in the future that they can't play through when you've got to go play Kansas City, I mean, that that hinders the Bills as much as anything could. But if something like that happens on Kansas City's side, there'll be years where the Bills can top them. It's all about putting pressure on Kansas City to be perfect. And I think that is what Brandon Bean has done this offseason. And I appreciate the way he has gone about that. Because it's a volume play. It's a long-term outlook for how this strategy wins a Super Bowl. Knowing 
that Mahomes and the Chiefs will be here year after year after year. Be the Steelers to Kansas City being the Patriots. Be Ben Roethlisberger Steelers. There was never a year, not that I'm remembering, never a year where at the beginning of the season, Pittsburgh in these power rankings and Super Bowl odds, were they ever above New England? Were they ever above New England? I don't think they ever were, thinking back. But they won a Super Bowl in the Tom Brady era. They won two Super Bowls in the Tom Brady era. Why? Because they were always the second, third, fourth best team. And when you're the second, third, fourth best team for a long enough amount of time, then you're going to win a Super Bowl. More likely than not, it's going to happen. And I think, you know, Brandon Bean might not be thinking specifically in that way. Because, you know, he probably doesn't. And even if he did, he would never admit to you that, yeah, we're trying to be second best every year. Because what what is that to admit? I mean, you don't want a guy talking like that running your organization. There are a lot of fans that will turn their nose up at that. But again, and you know, it's tough. It's even more difficult to sell that with this city, this team, this fan base, because they were second best for a four-year period in the early 1990s, and that doesn't sound like anything that we should be striving for. I mean, the era... You know, of course, would be fun, but we don't want to finish second in every single year, uh, theoretically. But the odds of you winning a Super Bowl, if you're the second best team in the league every year to Kansas City, it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. 803-0550 is the phone number. Maybe you think the Bills have closed the gap with Kansas City because of all the changeover on the Chiefs' offensive line. And because their defense, going into the season, I wouldn't project to be as good as the Bills is. The only way the Bills will make up ground in Kansas City from their own doing this year is that pass rush. And that's why last week's draft, every day that passes, I'm more interested in what they did. Because it's kind of the same thing as the the, out, the long-term outlook I just mentioned. Like, a volume play. That's kind of what they did on the pass rush. The Bills really don't need both Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham to be great pass rushers. They don't need that. But one of the two. Like I, I would take one of the two. If you told me right now that one of those two guys would become a double-digit pass rusher in sacks, I would absolutely sign up for that. That might not sound like a lot, by the way, but the Bills really have not had a consistent double-digit pass rusher since Mario Williams. I mean, all due respect to Jerry Hughes, Jerry Hughes has never had double-digit sacks without Mario Williams taking all the double teams on the other side. He's been a good pass rusher for a long time. He's never been a franchise pass rusher. And, you know, there were years in there, Lorenzo Alexander had a double-digit sack season. But they have not had that guy that every year you know. Not even like a, I don't need, I don't need a, a league, a top league guy. I don't even need a Von Miller guy. I don't need a Miles Garrett, but you know where's my where's my Aaron Schobel? Where's my Aaron Schobel? Because that was a guy that you know I don't know how well liked Aaron Schobel was, and he played in an era where they, the Bills did no winning at all. But 
Year after year, Schobel was there with 11 and a half sacks, 12 sacks, 14 sacks, 10 sacks, eight and a half, eight. Like even on the down years, he was approaching it. Like even give me that level of player, like a Pro Bowl guy that's not necessarily considered the best in the sport. If you give me one of those out of Rousseau and Basham, then you just became even more of a headache because this defense has been strong for multiple years now without that guy. And if you were to add that player into the picture, then, yeah, maybe you can look like Tampa did against Kansas City. And that is what it's all about. It's about beating the Chiefs. The schedule's going to come out next week, by the way, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of iffy on what I want from the Kansas City game. Whether I want it to be the opening night game uh, at Kansas City for the Sunday night, not the opening night of the, the, the league, opening week, like the Sunday night game. Do we want week one against Kansas City? Or some point mid-season, maybe even back half of the season. I think back half of the season would probably be unlikely. But a mid-season Sunday night football game where both teams have good records and it's the clash of the Titans. Like You know these are the best two teams in the conference and everybody's been waiting for it. It's been building up. And it's not at the beginning of the season where... Once they might meet come playoff time, you got to say, well, I mean, who knows now? Does that game even matter? Because there's so been so much time that has passed between then and now. Like I would I think I'm leaning towards like a nice week 8 mid-season Bills Chiefs clash on Sunday night football. I think that's what I want for their regular season meeting uh, for the upcoming season. 8030550 is the phone number. If you got something on the schedule too, feel free to, to chime in. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about Zach Ertz um, if we have time for it because there's some Saber stuff I want to get into as well. Uh, we got about 35 minutes left to go here on the Nightcap. So to your calls next at 8030550, it is the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Honest truth is they're looking up at the Bills right now, and I don't think that's going to change. I think they're going to be looking up at the Bills this season. New England, they went out and bought an offense, and we're going to see the steps Cam takes. We're going to see when they turn to Mac Jones if those steps aren't there. But I think for the Dolphins, it's pivotal. And no matter how much talent they have, and they got a lot of it on both sides of the ball with a good head coach, it's going to come down to Tua. It really makes you wonder, is he the guy that can elevate that roster where they're going to have to win 11 or 12 games and make a significant stride in the playoffs? And I have some reservations about that, but it's not for the lack of talent or coaching on that team. Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report. I'm a show for the Bulldog earlier in the week. You can find all our interviews on demand at WGR550.com and the radio.com app on the odyssey.com app. Um, I am doing some counting right now because it's a pet peeve of mine that the Sabres don't seem to know how to count. Uh, Last year they called their 50th season when really it was their 49th. And this year... They're calling it Rick Jenneret's 50th season when it's his 49th. And if you don't count the lockout, I think it's actually really the 48th. Um, I should probably just let it go. Let's all just celebrate RJ. He's the GOAT. He's the legend. All we're doing is feeling good about Rick Jenneret. I shouldn't be a party pooper. But I just, like, it's counting. It's, It's not... It shouldn't be that that hard. Like I don't I don't know. It's just I just, it's hard for me to get past it because again it's just counting. But 
Never mind. 803 is the phone number. Bills and Chiefs. I, I think the Bills haven't really closed the gap on Kansas City, but I think all the pressure is on Mahomes and the Chiefs to not take any step back, even a small one, because of what the Bills have done in sustaining their roster and their team and Brian Dable uh, this offseason. Let me know what you think. 803 is the phone number. Jim is first up. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Jim? Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, so I, I heard you talk about the Chiefs. One thing, because I listened to morning, afternoon, and uh, also the instigators. One thing I haven't heard you guys like really talk about. I know we're we're chasing after the Chiefs and trying to beat them down, but like considering the fact that they lost the Super Bowl, like nobody's really mentioned the fact that like even if we get past the Chiefs, what about Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. It seems like, you know, I mean, Brady's coming back. They re-signed Antonio Brown. They seem like they're getting stronger through the draft. So, like, that, that that's one thing I, I'm trying to figure out why that hasn't been mentioned. All right, Jim. Um, I don't really know. I just think it's just tough to – I, I want to kind of talk about the division here because – I think the the Jets with Zach Wilson, the Patriots with Mac Jones, like I, I, it's hard for me to talk too much about the Kansas City Bills rivalry right now because a lo- not a lot has changed. But you have had the offensive line change in Kansas City, and like to me, that's it. Otherwise, I'm just waiting to see these teams play again. It's kind of Saber Senators from 2007, um, you know, just kind of waiting around for the playoff series, waiting around for any game against Ottawa. That's how the NBA felt for a while. We're just waiting for Cavs-Warriors. And I feel like that's kind of what we're doing right now with the Bills. We're just waiting for Bills-Chiefs. And how much is that Jacksonville game going to matter to us? How much is that Texans game going to matter? Washington. Like, there's enough games on the schedule where I wonder if this will be the first season where it's like, all right, we're waiting for the playoffs. We're waiting for something else, not just the next game, to be able to improve our chances at getting in. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but... Thank you for the call. Um, yeah, I think I'm good leaving it there. I'm good leaving it there. Um, one more thing on Zach Ertz, and then I'll talk. I want to talk some hockey here. I think Ertz, because of his age, doesn't have to be a one year thing. And that's why it's a more appealing idea to me than. Than Greg Olson was last year. You might I kind of didn't want to do the Greg Olson thing last year because of his age, 35, 36, whatever he was, final year of his career, like he kind of knew it. Ertz, even though he's not young, I mean he's 30. And he this could be a guy that's got four or five years left. Last year would probably not lead you to believe he's got five years left. But previous seasons, I mean, he's coming off. The year before last, 88 catches, 116 catches, 74 catches. Like it's You don't have to go long ago to see huge production from Zach Ertz. And his being 30 years old, like it could go really well. And he could be a multi-year solution for the Bills. Even the Gronkowski idea from earlier in the offseason when they had reportedly checked in on Gronk. That's probably a one-year thing. Ertz... You only have to try it out for one year, but if it goes well and he wants to stay on a winning team, 
then you could keep him around for a couple of years. So that's one other point I wanted to add in on Ertz that I forgot to uh, in the first segment. So I thought I'd just drop that in there. Um, and then let's let's talk. Let's I want to talk about Sabers here. So eight hundred three hundred five fifty is the phone number if you want to talk some hockey. A um, little bit of the coaching search came up earlier on Chopin the Bulldog with Don Granado. I mean, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I didn't want to hear anything other than Don Granado is going to have the interim tag lifted from his title. I wanted that. Bad. And I still do. It's still my favorite idea. Like, if you told me, ask me right now what they should do, it should be, let's let's have Don Granado stick as the, the head coach going forward. But I'm not against them having a search, and I'm not opposed to being talked into another idea. You know, like Rod Brindamore. Darren Dreger was asked about Brindamore earlier today on the station. Here is uh, here's what what, Dar- what Dreger said about Brindamore. I get the sense that Brindamore is going to test the free agent market. Does it make more sense to him to push away from another renovation project, which appears to be in Buffalo? Probably not. But when guys like that are available, then the market opens up. And you look at Columbus, and you look at all the teams that you can put a question mark beside coaching. Brindamore might be available, and I wouldn't automatically get to the Sabres would have any chance with him because of the Kevin Adams connection, but they there might be something there. I mean, they played together on a Stanley Cup champion. I mean, it being the Stanley Cup champion that it was is like kind of ridiculous that the Sabres would be run in that situation. That's that hypothetical by the two by two guys that that beat the Sabres in maybe their best season ever, 2006. But Brindamore would be respect. Brindamore would be a guy that has won recently in the league, a, a team that moves the puck really well, plays an offensive game in Carolina. That's kind of what we're looking for. It's Granado in a way, but also with the big respect on top of it. I don't need that aspect of it, but again, it's an idea I could be talked into. Boudreaux was an idea I could be talked into. Although that, I would probably dismiss, because if they were going to do that, why wouldn't they have done it already? Right? And the, 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 the disaster is John Tortorella. Just no. Please no. And that is an idea I'm worried about. Because that one might be realistic. Tortorella enjoyed his time here in Buffalo as an assistant coach in the 90s. He wants a new challenge past Columbus. And I don't know. I feel like I could I could see the Sabres falling for that. Like, here's a guy that's just not going to... He is going to whip these guys into shape. And just, no thanks. That just, it doesn't work in the league anymore. It might work for a year, but there's a shelf life to it, and the style of play stinks to watch and doesn't get the most out of the offensive players. In fact, it drives offensive players out of town in a, in an offseason where the Sabres' number one priority should be doing enough to keep your best two offensive players in Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart. Eichel could conceivably ask for a trade. Reinhardt is a restricted free agent and holds a lot of leverage over the Sabres. And if you bring John Tortorella through the door, I mean, if you were already wondering if they were going to head out, then that's just going to push him out the door. And I want no part of that because Columbus has been a rotating door 
for their best players since Tortorella came in as the coach. Ryan Johansson, out. Artemi Panarin, out. Sergei Bobrovsky, out. Pierre-Luc Dubois, out. And there's already, only a few months in, wonders about, is Patrick Laine going to stick there long-term? Well, now, it seems like Tortorella's not going to stick around, so okay, that seems a little, little more likely that he'll stick in Columbus. I just don't want to deal with that headache that is John Tortorella. All right, we'll take a timeout here. We'll get to our interview of the week when we come back. Ralph Vacchiano from SNY was on the morning show. A little bit more on the Jets, one of our division opponents that we did not talk a lot about this week and on tonight's show. We'll get more insight on them when we come back on the Nightcap on WGR.